There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal and Andy Bernard. And we'll be right back, kick things off. Great guest today, Car Selling Seekers. Well, the guest on Car Selling Seekers is not that great, you know. I know. Well, he's, we need filler. He's a disaster. <laughs> I can't wait. Should be fun. Michael Bryant, the guest on Car Selling Secrets, the second half. Great, great guest. First oh, half. We're right he? back. Uh, yeah, Michael Bryant is, yeah. I didn't know. See? Well. It's all we do. It's all we do is deliver. You know what I mean? Yep. We shall be right back with the family. Dougie. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Now we're going to do a live, live commercial, baby. Uh, we're actually going to pre-record this as well later on, but it's always something in the car business. War, pestilence, all kinds of crazy things. Last year, the factories were shut down due to COVID. Now there's a massive semiconductor chip shortage all over the world that's uh, crippling a lot of manufacturing uh, plants for automobiles. What does that have to do with anything, you might ask? And that's a great question. So when the new car supply goes way down, uh, late model used cars, uh, the market goes kind of crazy. And we we can't get enough trade-ins because we don't have enough new cars. So we started this deal called Walzer Buys Cars. You go to walzerbuyscars.com. If you have a car that you're interested in selling outright or maybe possibly trading in, you just haven't figured out what you wanted to buy yet, you can get a quote online. And I did it myself with my Honda, and I think it took maybe two or three minutes to fill out all the answer all the questions. It's just a pop-up menu. Super simple. I did it right on my phone. And I know this sounds like a pitch, but I was kind of surprised at how much they'd pay for my Honda. And it's got me shopping for cars now. So uh, be careful. Uh, for more information, you can go to walzer.com. You can always email me at doug at walzer.com. Or you do it the digital way and go to walzerbuyscars.com. I have a question. Yes, Andy. How did you come up with the name? I, it, was, it, it wasn't me. I wasn't that creative. You remember young Kate, our marketing director? I do. I think she had a committee of geniuses, uh, and they you know, spent probably most of the winter coming up I with it. I can tell. Yep. That's you're it. the only genius I know. Why, thank you. Did I'm you sure you're it? talking to your son, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? 
Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. That actually sounded like a new commercial from Michael Bryant. Uh, How the hell did that happen? That was recorded in November. Ooh. Which is new for Mike Bryant. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to him about it later on today when he gets in. Well, to be fair, your commercial is actually nine days older, so... Well, we're going to record a brand new one today. We are. Actually, we're you not. I know. forgot to write it. Anyway. Oh, for Christ. <laughs> Working with you two is a thrill. By you two, I mean you and Michael Bryant. That's what I I'm know. talking about. At least you still like it. It all works on you. Well, that's true. That's just a given. It's just a given, ladies and gentlemen. In any case, we are back. Things are good, except for the entire world's coming apart at the seams. And um, I don't know. What should we do about it? you have any ideas? I don't know. I still, I still love the something. I think it was Passel might have sent it to me. I can't remember who sent it to me, but it said, "You think your life sucks? Your life doesn't suck. Your life is great compared to all those people out there who think that they are all upset over the name of a, a plastic potato." That's true. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you have to be just... pretty unhappy to be worried about that kind of thing. I would think so. Well, God, speaking of Why which, they... so. Uh, you mm-hmm. think you think you've had a hard life? So uh, two days ago, I was talking to Grandpa, and I uh, I was looking at the medals that he has, mm-hmm. and all of them I could uh, figure out what they were just by looking them up, um, except for one. And I said, "Hey, I've been meaning to ask you, what is this medal?" And he says, "That's the Bronze Star." And I said, "What? What's that for?" And he said, uh, "When I was 16, me and another guy did some stuff to some tanks." Huh. And that's all he said. You know, I worked with a, uh, there was a mechanic at Walzer Mazda. This was back in the 80s. And his name was, I think you remember right, it was either Brett or Brent Van Tassel. Well, he was in Special Forces in Vietnam, and he oh. was actually like a Rambo guy. And they'd drop him behind enemy lines and say, just go kill people and wreck stuff, no, and we'll pick you, you up in a month. Yeah, he's the guy who blew stuff up by and, himself. And uh, he had a pretty good sense of humor, because any time the service manager did tell him to do something, he'd go, F you, I got a Congressional Medal of Honor, and he'd just walk away from him. He <laughs> had a Medal of Honor? Wow. Yeah. yeah, he was a highly decorated uh, Vietnam veteran, and a really, actually, a really funny guy. Yeah, that's one of the toughest jobs, I think, of all time. 
Yeah. Being dropped into the, into the jungles jungle. of Vietnam by yourself with just a bunch of bombs and a knife. Yep. The yeah. only thing you don't have to worry about is hypothermia. Other than that, pretty much That's anything's going to kill you. That is pretty much the case. Now, who had the Congressional Medal of Honor? Who's a mechanic at our Mazda dealership. This God, is back in the 80s. Phenomenal. Find them yeah. out because there's not that many Medal of Honor recipients. God, I don't, I don't know what I did hero. with mine. <laughs> I, I, what was his last name? Van what? Van Tassel, I believe. Tassel. I wonder if I could find him. I think we've had him on the air before. You do well, I don't think this guy. I mean, this was, this was 1987 or 8 when I met him. So this was a long time ago. And so he's probably... He'd be about 70 now, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, so he's probably still hanging right in there. What you find yep. yep. List of Medal, Honor, Medal of Honor recipients for the Vietnam War. Let's see. How many are How many are there? Five? Uh, no, there's a lot more than that, but... There's probably a hundred, I suppose, huh? Yeah, about that, I would say. I, I think he went Couldn't by, take that he went by John Rambo, if that helps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly. Ain't he talk like this? Yes. Look out. It'd be great. You come back. All of a sudden, you're rambling. You come be. You get. You want an eight? I got you eight. Remember that <laughs> from fit from fist. I don't. That see shows you how the world is changing. Uh oh. Maybe he made it up. Oh no. Oh. Stolen valor. Oh. <laughs> or you just misremembered sure that medal that he said. Well, that could be because there's about seven million different kinds of combat medals. Believe me. Yeah. That is true, ladies and gentlemen. There's no question about it. It's all we have to say. No, I'm sure. I'm sure he did win a very prestigious medal. And telling people to f off because of it, I couldn't agree with him more. Works for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. There are 3,500 right? recipients in the world. Huh? Really? Well, I guess in the United States. Yeah, they'd all be Americans. Yeah, if you're, I think. you're not from America, you're Would probably they? not getting a Medal of Honor. Maybe. Well, well maybe. it's the, it's the U.S. Armed know. Forces. That's, you know, I think you have to be American to be in the U.S. Armed Forces. If anybody's listening out there and understands how this all works, call the talk and text line 561-228-4061. Otherwise, we'll have an hour-long version of Andy Looks Up Stuff on the Internet. Works for me. <laughs> just, that, that's fine. Actually, those are good shows. I like those shows. <laughs> in any too. case, in any case, I do have to mention this because it did it, it, not, not so much for you, Andy, but for Doug, and particularly for me. Uh, Phillips engineer Lou Ottens has died at the age of ninety-four. He said he wished Phillips not Sony created what he uh, teed up. He his idea apparently was the Walkman. He wanted Phillips to make it. Sony ended up making it. But you know what Lou Ottens did invent? I, I do, actually, but you tell everybody. I just happened to see Fantastic it on the news feed story. yesterday. Love the story. Lou Ottens invented the cassette tape. What do you think of that action, baby? You know, that, that, that was, was a huge deal. It was a huge deal it back was. then. It really it was, yep. It, Before that, it was either eight tracks or reel-to-reel, and yeah. both of those were pretty crappy. I mean, it allowed a lot of up-and-coming bands to record and distribute music inexpensively, which in this day seems crazy because it's all free. But back then, when you could put a band together and record something and you know sell tapes for two or three dollars and yeah, pack no, your shows, that was a, that was a really yeah. big deal. I mean, you could buy vinyls, but those were pretty expensive. Yeah, they were. Yeah, eight tracks were cheap, but they were also not good. They didn't work very well. Oh, terrible! Oh, terrible! 
like I said, switching tracks right in the middle of a song. Yeah. Boy, that's fun. Mm-hmm. It would fade out, clunk, and then fade back in. Why not? It was terrible. First time I ever heard that was I was listening to uh, You Shook Me by Led Zeppelin, mm. and it faded out. I'm going, what the hell is that? It's interesting. <laughs> Why is it fading out? An eight track and a cassette are basically the same thing. They're just two yeah. reels of magnetic tape. And it's right. just, it's interesting how it took 20 years for someone to think, what if we just have the tape not kind of spliced in the middle? What if we just have it continuous? It 20 years yeah. for someone to think yep. of that. <laughs> Very odd. It's like everything else today, then. It's like everything else, no question about it. I don't know, but uh, Lou Otten's tip of the cap to you, man. A guy was one small. I, here's what I, here's it. I love his quote, right? This was Lou Ottens all the way. He went on to play a big role in the development of CDs, and when cassette tape started recently uh, uh, making a resurgence, he said the trend is nonsense. Yeah. CD sound quality is much better. It is. He yeah. ripped his own product. <laughs> yeah, well, it was love part of an guy. evolutionary chain, you know? I yep, actually... absolutely. I get this from my grandmother when I was a kid. I've got a 1902 Edison phonograph, and it actually works. It's one of the ones with a... Round cylinder the records. Wax cylinder, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, that's where it started, and then it just kept getting better and better. Yep. And now we have Love great it. fidelity and just bad music. <laughs> that's true. You can oh hear the bad God, music the really, really well. No doubt. Well, that's what I love. Again, you got people that are distraught over uh, the name of a plastic or the sex of a, or the gender of a plastic potato. Uh, you're really offended by that. Uh, but apparently the number one song from last year, Wet Ass Pussy, that I was know. fine. I just love that about the world right now. So that's fine. That's not offensive at all. A, but calling somebody either Mr. or Mrs. is offensive. It's a great song. We're going to play it on our 15th wedding anniversary. Just yeah, I bet you are. Yeah. The swing version? Folks over to the house. Yeah, that's terribly... Well, you look at the world the way it is. And the playing thereof, uh, some of our listeners might be interested to hear this. If you are trying to listen to KQ Morning Show episodes on the podcast format, so, you know, through our app or through their website, yeah. you can't listen to anything prior to March 1st anymore. Why? Because Why now KQ is starting to get hit by copyright uh, takedowns because of music in their podcast. Oh my God! Even if it's, it's I, I'm actually talking to uh, some of the people over at uh, the digital department or whatever you call it. She says even a five second clip, uh, they'll get hit. Yeah, there's that. Why? There's that um, fallacy that if it's under ten seconds, no, it's cool, but that's anymore. not true at all. It used to be ages ago. But, but I would assume KQ is part of Cumulus. Obvious ha- has licenses to play for the, all radio, this stuff. For the air, but not on the internet. Yep. So there are, I think, some ways to listen to old episodes. I don't really know what they are. Um, But, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your app, and it'll populate. You'll be able to listen to episodes that are there. There actually is a way, but it's not everybody's going to. you got to go over to John Lastman's house and listen to Real the Real (laughs) Tapes. Yeah, there you go. Well, he talks about John Bon Jovi. Wow, this sounds great. Let me just point something out to you about that whole thing, okay? What a coincidence this has happened. Because in the last year, the KQ Morning Show podcast that, K, that KQ releases 
does millions of listeners, and I mean tons of listenership. Do you, do uh, so as soon as it shot through the roof, all of a sudden, now it's time to collect some money, huh? Yep. Okay. Do you remember Whatever. who sponsored that for like for the last 12 years? Uh, I think it was Wally McCarthy. <laughs> Isn't that who it was? I think it started with a W, if I remember right. Yeah, you got you talk about the bargain of a lifetime, baby. <laughs> you guys well, it you know, we, it, 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 it's like Amazon. The first eight years weren't terribly profitable, but then it's all true. of a sudden it took hold. So, mm-hmm. so I'm with selling books yeah. just doesn't rake in the money. Yeah. Damn it! Ask more not. I want to. We got to take a break because we have guests coming up, and we're already a few sure minutes do. late to get to them. So, uh, why don't we take a break? Be right back. Special guests up next with the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, you work with many different types of businesses. Can you tell me about one of them? Sure, Tommy. Theory Z Media started two years ago as a digital media agency. They wanted to build it their way the same way our team built the bank, to do what they love, but also in the way that suited their lives and growing families. We helped them navigate the Paycheck Protection Program loan process when the pandemic started, so they could keep expanding their business. The pandemic hit many local businesses hard, and I know North American Banking Company has been right there to help many of them. Right, and it's something we're continuing to do as a bank that is invested in the growth and success of our customers and the community. Theory Z Media is now a million-dollar company and are growing with the help and resources that our team was able to provide. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Square, and use promo code TOM, T-O-M. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. There's Doug showing off again. Yeah, it's my good friend Ted I'm... Watson, actually. But well, I, that's not you. I, I thought it was I, you. No, I can't play drums like that. This guy was amazing. Yeah, he really is. Really is damn good. Our guest ready to go? Uh, just about. Okay, just let me know when that phoning in from England. The phoning in as we speak. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the band 10 Years After, new album, A Sting in the Tail, deluxe edition, new book 10 Years After to release A Sting in the Tail through Deco Entertainment. This release comes with four live bonus tracks, including their hit song, I'd Love to Change the World, but they also did a version of uh, I'm Going Home. I know. Remember Going Home? I'd, See that, my babe. That's what I want to ask oh. him about. Yeah, well, okay, I'll, well, I want you to ask him about it. And, I would Andy love will be to patching him in shortly, I think. <clears throat> Mo definitely. Patched. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rick Lee and Chick Churchill. How you doing, gentlemen? 
Glad to hear it. Uh, you're probably not talking to any bigger fans on earth than the people in this studio, I'll tell you that, man. I was a teenage boy, a very young teenage boy, when I first heard 10 years after, and I've loved you guys ever since. No doubt. Thank, thank you, man. Thank you. Well, you know, the one hey, thing I would say, I'm a little... Speak up loud, I'm a bit deaf after having <laughs> I can do that. You know what, It's because I have a deep voice, I have to talk in a higher range like this, otherwise nobody can hear me, so I understand, it all works out in the end. But I, um, the only the only downside to the whole thing about being, be, you what? I was going to say, you weren't uh, Johnny Cash in a previous life, were you, with the deep voice? No, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. No, I was not, I was not, absolutely, but... <laughs> I did. I learned very, very quickly that I could never play guitar like that. I could never play music like that. So it was good. It may become the realization that I shouldn't be a musician because there's no way. Like, I'm going home. There's no way I could do that. So that's why I got into radio. It all worked out in the end. But Doug, who's with us here, I Doug Smith, has a couple of questions as well. Dougie? I, I do have a question. I was... Uh, um, just starting to play the guitar. I was born in 1958, so when Woodstock came out, I watched that with rapt attention, and I'm listening to Jimi Hendrix and Cream and all that stuff. And then it's later in the 70s when I got proficient enough to be able to attempt to play things like Going Home. I have a question for you guys. Okay, because that's a fast song anyway, but were you guys so jacked up because you were at Woodstock that you decided to play it in cut time? It, I mean, that version of Going Home is so incredibly fast. I don't know, Red. It was always fast, I think. Oh, now that is well, disappointing. Actually, so you just played it that way naturally. Okay. <laughs> well, I think, I think there are two things, actually. When we first did it in Sweden, when Alvin we did it at a rehearsal, a uh, soundtrack, rather, and it was much, much slower. And if you listen to the second album, Undead, it's pretty slow on there, too, which is a, a live recording. But then over the years, it just got quicker and quicker. I guess that's probably my fault. Um, and uh, I don't know about Chick, but I I'd certainly had a few beers before we played at Woodstock, so that may have something to do with it. Well, I've always had a few beers well, at least, at least you didn't drop acid like Carlos Santana. I just always thought that was like the ballsiest move in the world. <laughs> I, I never dropped acid ever, so I can't comment. <laughs> you never dropped what? Acid. Don't know what that means. LSD. LSD. Oh, Lysergic acid diethylamide. Wow. Yeah, I've never, I've never used it. You know, it's interesting about that, actually. It's funny you bring that up. Because I did cocaine once in my life, and it, nothing happened. I was like, this is boring. I did it once, and it, nothing happened. So you think I was sold a bad bill of goods? I think you might have been. Probably. Probably been. worked out the best for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I, I only did cocaine once, and that was with uh, Chick in Austria. And we had quite a fun evening heaving stuff out the window of the hotel. <laughs> um, I understand that's a pretty common thing to do. I don't know why. <laughs> but you're on acid. You know. Yeah. 
Nobody likes German furniture. I thought furniture. she was in America, not Austria. No, it was Austria, mate. Was it? And uh, everybody left. <laughs> after. We, we, we took the phone, and, well, Chick took the phone and chucked it out the window. And then everybody started leaving, and I tried to move the... Um, the shoe cleaning machine into the into the room and out of the window, but it was too damn heavy. Um, and the, the next morning, I got I got the bill for the for the broken phone, and uh, oh. took round for the bus quickly. I don't know that's going to happen. Wait round. <laughs> I didn't think. Got to just. Re- it reminds me of so many times. I spent uh, about six, seven years working at Capitol Records as a uh, head of promotion uh, in the Midwest. And I cannot tell you how many things that I've seen go on in hotel rooms. None of the other stuff, I don't want to talk about that, but people throwing things out the window. I was once with a country artist named uh, uh, Billy Crash Craddock, and there was a noise, and he looked out oh, yeah. his window, and there was a, f- it was a fight in the street. So he, wearing his underwear and a T-shirt, ran down into the street to get involved in the fight. <laughs> it was unbelievable. That's country music, boys. <laughs> some, some people would do anything for publicity. Well, that's probably true. It probably is true. Uh, I, I just tell me a bit about tell, tell me a bit about a sting in the tail. I want to hear about it. Do you want to do it, Chick, or shall I? It's a great album. The one I've enjoyed making out of all the albums most. Yeah, I'd go along with that. No, so, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's absolutely it's got, it's got a, an additional four tracks. It's called uh, Singing the Tale Deluxe Edition. And uh, we gave them four live tracks as well, one of which is... Um, I'd love to change the world, you know, which was a big hit for us in the States in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Great song. It's a really, really good song, no question about it. Space and Time was such a great album anyway. Really wonderful work. Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of that this year in October. Oh, my God, and I'm only 25 years old. How did I know about it? Thank you very much. Uh, no, I'm, uh, you and I, we're probably oh, about the same age. <laughs> yeah, see, you figured that out quickly. Yeah, yeah, so am I, absolutely. No, it, it was, don't you guys think, I mean, looking back at the very beginning, whether you're talking about the, uh, you know, the mid-60s, the, the late-60s, the 70s, wasn't it just a great time surrounded by the talent that was available back in the, the 60s, 70s, 80s? What, a, what an era for rock and roll music. But well, I'd agree with yeah. you about the 60s and the 70s. I'm not so sure about the 80s. Well, that's true. And is he, you didn't like disco? Is that yeah, what you're yeah. saying? Go on, sir. I say, yes, it was good fun in the late 60s. I, I had a great time. I was only 22. Yeah. Somebody's playing a little music at the house. I like that. That works for me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, are you guys going to head out on the road? Are you going to go on tour with the release of A Sting in the Tail, uh, with the release of From Headstocks to Woodstock, which will be released uh, April 8th. Uh, you can pre-order the book, though, at Amazon. Amazon, it's available everywhere. So, Headstocks to Woodstocks, what's that reference all about? That's uh, it's my autobiography, uh, Tom. 
I um, it basically headstock is, is is the play on words. The headstock is the is the mining wheel that drops down to drop the miners into the into the um, into oh, the dig okay. up coal. And I was in, we're, we're we're from a coal mining area, both of us. Um, and and uh, obviously you know what woodstock is. Headstock, <clears throat> headstock obviously is also is the top end of a guitar. So it's a bit of a play on words there. Um, and just to talk about Sting in the Tail for a second, we tried to make a radio-friendly album. Uh, the longest song on there is six minutes. Um, and we're very happy with the result, as Chip said. Um, and everybody I've spoken to on interviews I've done for the last three weeks now um, has, has really been full of praise for the album, so I'm very pleased about that, too. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, no, no doubt about that. I now, Doug, you got to talk a little bit about your abilities with a guitar. No, 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 well, you could talk a little guitar work about. See, I, I am fascinated talking to guitar players uh, because, again, I think it's something I couldn't do, so I was really fascinated. I tried to play the guitar. I, I had no chance. So it's become one of my favorite things in the world, great guitar players, and there are many, but it's such a fascinating instrument to me. So I, I talk about anybody playing a guitar. I'd love to hear it. Well, I, I, you know? I, I will tell you what I learned from listening to those classic 10 years after albums and a few other ones and I, I think you guys would probably agree when young guitar players in the rock genre start playing they always play with way too much gain because they think that's the secret oh, yeah. it's supposed Definitely. to be and if you if i listen to the stuff that i recorded when i was a teenager it's like this is terrible but you listen to guys like alvin lee pretty much really anybody and it's not really super distorted guitar it's really all about the musicality, the timing, the phrasing, and all that stuff. It's really the notes, it's not the sound. Mm-hmm. If you listen to ACDC, you think yeah, that, that's really in your face, but it really isn't. They're just classic electric guitar tones played really, really well. Well, on stage, Alvin had uh, four Marshall cabinets, as did Tiff and Leo, and Alvin had two amps on the top, Marshall amps. But in fact, he only used one of them, and it was a 50-watt amplifier. Yeah. It wasn't uh, anything any bigger than that. I, I have a really good friend who played in a great cover band up here, and he did something. So he had the, the double four, double Marshall stacks, and, and it was loud, but it was all through FOH front of house. And I said, boy, you really get great tone. And he goes, come on back here. And behind the Marshall stacks was a 20-watt deluxe reverb. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah. that's yeah. that's the way it goes. But nothing looks cooler than standing. And a Jimi Hendrix probably is the reason, or Eric Clapton, mm-hmm. standing and be in front of four Marshall cabinets stacked on top of each other. It's just such a classic it's rock classic, look. Yeah, image, but yep. that fakes out all these young guitar players because they think that's how you get the sound, and it really, really isn't. It's interesting to hear that that Alvin did that as well. Yeah, sorry, it's just a fifty watt amp to use. So how come you're deaf? It's why I've become deaf. <laughs> you're deaf for 50 watts? <laughs> why I've become deaf. I lost the hearing in my right ear when I was 19. I played a gig. I was filling in for a bass player, and I had to stand right next to the drummer, right oh, next God. to his crash cymbal. And man, for a little guy, he could really hit it hard. At my hear, you know, 50 years later, I still can't hear out of that ear. Yeah, that would do it, Definitely. The pitch of a, of a crash symbol, for sure. Yeah. 
No doubt about that. Think of anything worse So when you guys no, no. when you guys recorded this album, how did you do it? Did you do it studio live, or did you track everything separately? What was your recording technique? Yeah, basically, we, um, Marcus and Colin put down a guide, a guide track of their parts. Once we'd rehearsed it all and got it where we wanted it to go, um, and then they put that down to a click uh, on Pro Tools, and they sent Pro Tools to a friend of mine, Mark, who has his own studio, and he's a drum. Well, he plays everything, um, and he's a good sound engineer too. So I, I then went down there and put the drums on to that to, to that rough track they had to the click. Then that sent, was sent back to them. They then put on their proper parts, then Chip went in and did his, and then Marcus finished off with the uh, guitar and the vocals. I get that that's a, really, that's a really efficient way to record an album, especially with people all over the world. But as a drummer, do you, are you, do you like playing to a click track, or would you rather just do it kind of natural feel? No, I prefer a natural feel. But yeah. it's... it's um, the reason we're doing it on a click track is it, it's, it's easy to edit. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. You can quantize everything and all that sort of stuff. I get it. But I just speaking from a musical standpoint, I was just because I know some drummers that are totally cool with playing to click tracks, and other ones just absolutely hate it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. Um, I, I wouldn't want to um, to have everything quantized. Yeah. Uh, and I don't believe Mark and I did that. I think we patched a couple of hits. Um, on the on the track, but I think most of them were just straight takes with the clip. So, um, and then if there was a if there was a bit of a, a wonder or a mistake, we we did a drop in. What's called a drop in. So, so for the um, listeners, what he's yeah. talking about is it's a modern recording technique where you record a track and then you put it on a computer screen and it's a, there's a grid and you just move the waves around until they're all in perfect timing. But a lot of musicians think that, yeah, that, that just I, takes we, we the life right out of the music. Exactly. We we didn't do that on purpose. Yay! Congratulations! Fact, Yay! <laughs> thank you. What? No, <laughs> no thank you. I think there were 12 tracks on the album, on the studio album, um, and I did them all in two days. Did the drum tracks in two days. Well, that's, that's fast. So, that's working fast. I wasn't, I wasn't hanging around. So you I guys, certainly you guys mentioned that. that you're from the coal country. What part of England did you grow up in? The Midlands. Nottinghamshire. My grandfather was from a little town called Matlock Bath, which is not too far from there. Yeah, I'm near there now. I didn't live in Matlock Bath, but I, I used to go, used to cycle there from Mansfield. Lived near there. Sorry? You lived there, oh, yeah. there, not long back, till about two years ago. Huh. Yeah, no, I was in Mansfield, but I, I live I live fairly close to Bath now. Uh, I'm in a place called Whaley Bridge. Maybe you're related. I maybe I don't think so. <laughs> no, it could be. I, I went there for talent. the first time in the '90s. Actually, the only time in the '90s, and I thought I was in a PBS show. It was just it was a beautiful oh. part of the country. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you been we, there? Is that Tom talking? Sorry. No, that's that's Doug talking. I have been. Uh, yes, I have been there. As a matter of fact, we just. Uh, you talking about going to? Uh, we talking about Bath, England, correct? No, no. Matlock Bath is a 
totally different place. Oh, about, yeah, yeah that's, that's totally different place. It's, okay. near, it's near Sherwood Forest, actually. Darby and all this. That's places. right. Yep. Yeah. Well, there yeah, you have it. Um, wow. The Bath is, Bath, is Bath is south in, in the southwest. We're in, we're in the Midlands, as Chick said, which is uh, north oh, of London, right. about 130 odd miles. I, un- I absolutely understand. Ladies and gentlemen, the band 10 years after new album, A Sting in the Tail, deluxe edition is available. A new book as well called From Headstocks to Woodstock, released on April 8th. It's on Amazon. Rick and Chick, thanks so much for your time today. Great talking to you, fellas. Have a wonderful day. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm good. Thank yeah. Thanks, guys. No quantizing. Yeah. No quantizing. No Yay. Quantizing. Love it. We'll take a break. Be back with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com. That's shift, the number two, sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Outside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fish and ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan's Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan's Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad you finally picked up on the hint there, Doug. That was a good move. What? I cannot tell you how much a delay I had from England to oh, you yeah. to me. Oh, my. I could not talk. To, I, I, it was impossible. It was yeah. probably a solid three seconds. Yeah. It and, was. Yeah, and what I've was. learned from you is when that happens is just to ask really long questions and then shut up. <laughs> because if you try to exactly. right, if you try to have a natural conversation, you just step on each other. Yeah, all no, the time. it's impossible. You I was going to because I I did. You think a hundred years of technology later, we could have gotten the phones to be a little bit better than they were? Well, they are better yeah, than think. they were. <laughs> well, I suppose. For one thing, they're free. A phone call like that, even twenty-five years ago, would have been what 
forty bucks. Well, we can't. Oh God, we yeah. can't uh, call uh, overseas. So we, you do have to pay for it. You just pay for it in a different way. Right. But the per minute rate. I remember going down to Florida and talking to my friend uh, Max up in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, we. I would have to buy like thirty dollar phone cards so I could talk to him for a couple hours a day. And then wait till it's after seven because you get a get the rates. Yeah. Cheap. Ten ten two twenty or ten ten three two one. I did yeah. all the time. Yep. There you have it. Yeah, so thank God you picked up on that because there is no way we could understand one another. No. It was very difficult. That yeah, was interesting. But, you know. Yeah, and let, thanks for letting me talk to him. I, I, I'm always curious about how professional musicians do stuff, and it was nice to get, them to, at, get to ask him questions that, that most people probably don't ask him. Well, the thing about it is I, was, I wanted to get to a bunch of really cool stuff, and I couldn't do it because I realized there was no way that we could have a conversation between them in England and me in Florida and you in Minneapolis and all the rest of it. Because uh, just five days ago, well, eight years and five days ago was when Alvin Lee died. He died on March 6th. Oh, wow. So you did look oh. it up. I, what, what, what took him? Was it cancer? Or I don't... No, it's terrible, actually. Andy you, uh, Andy knows about this kind of stuff. Lee died on March 6, 2013 in Spain. He died from unforeseen complications following a routine surgical procedure to correct atrial arrhythmia. Mm. He was only 68 years old. His former bandmates uh, lamented his death. Yeah, so he died of atrial arrhythmia. That's AFib. So That's he AFib. had an he had an ablation yeah. and it di- and it killed him. Most likely an ablation. Yes. Yeah. See, I have AFib and I have I, it's under control with meds and I'm like, well, we can do surgery and like so. Not for those you of you that to. don't know, <laughs> no. this is what uh, um, ablation means. They put a tube in your thigh in your artery run it up to the backside of your heart, oh. and then blast away with electricity to kill some of the nerves that regulate the heart. Some, but not it's all. It's kind of like kicking the television set to get the picture <clears throat> to is. come in better. It's a, it's a very... Uh, <laughs> Often works really well. Occasionally, you need a new TV. It's a very low-precision uh, low procedure. Yeah. I mean, it works the vast majority of the time yeah. still. But oh, man, that's just, terrible. Yeah. I, that, I, now I'm convinced. No... A, no Ablation no, for me. Well, I don't know if it, it This just says routine surgical procedure, so I guess it would have been ablation. I would guess we, that's what it is. We don't know for sure. No, I suppose not. But I loved 10 years after. I was, I was not lying to them. I was a huge fan of 10 years after back in the day because, well, again, uh, the nickname that uh, Alvin Lee carried was the fastest guitar in the West. That was his nickname was or his nick phrase. That. He did play a guitar. My God, he was a great guitar player, don't you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Oh, yeah, here we go. Let me ask you a question. There is yeah. an uh, interview with him just before he died, upcoming heart surgery. And he says, I must have ablation surgery to put an end to the arrhythmia that has affected my heart for the past few months. Called it. Oh, yep. God. Uh. I'm looking forward to the life without the arrhythmia, but I'm not looking forward to the ablation. Well, he bet life he without the arrhythmia. That. That's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a bit morbid. Sorry, folks. <clears throat> so, question I have: Why would an Englishman go to Spain to have heart surgery? I don't know. Cuter doctors. That's I don't rather know. odd. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Beautiful Spanish women yep. operating on you. Did he live Is that what in you're saying? Spain. Who knows? Well, maybe he did at the end. Who knows where he lived at the end there, but it's just, uh, I don't know, man. God, he was on Decca, Derham, Columbia, Chrysalis, Polydor, uh, 
uh, RSO and Atlantic. God, he was on seven different labels. That's that's amazing. They were on seven different labels, but they never did have a chance. Uh, I'm going home. I thought was a, was a hit as well. But as far as a hit, a single hit is concerned, I'd love to change the world. Was their only one? Yep, that was the big one. Uh, <clears throat> Which Alvin amazes me because lived in Germany or in Spain with his German wife for 20 years. Oh, really? So, so that's why that explains it. He's a very uh, trans-European man. Indeed, he is. He married a Nazi, and no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> We fought on the Eastern Front. <clears throat> yes, it was unbelievable. His age, he was uh, 68 in 2013, so he would have been what, yeah. 75. So him and his wife yep. probably did grow up, uh, you know, right after the war when their countries were murdering each oh, other. Oh yeah. So it no, is you're absolutely right. But then again, yeah, my he was born. Grandpa, I think his he had a like rel. I think his. His grandfather was born in Germany, and then he ended up fighting the Germans on the side of America. So it's, right. it's funny how that works out. Isn't it amazing how many Japanese and German, uh, at that time, opponents ended up moving to America shortly after World War II? Yeah, the Japanese really got over that quick, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. It's Surprisingly man. fast, I would say. They did indeed. It, uh, it was a whole different era that back then. I'll tell you, man. It's that'd be a little. I don't know that it, I'd go to World War II and they, uh, you know, you drop a couple of nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and hey, I think I'll move to Japan. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm good to go. Well, Too the interesting depressing. thing about that is that we actually have a little bit of video footage of Japan pre-war, and it looks like. Uh, wood block paintings from hundreds of years ago. Yeah. They oh, kept yeah, very, very traditional and very, very isolated. Um, but as soon as the war uh, as soon as the war started, they just rocketed into the uh, the modern day and became indistinguishable from anywhere else. And I think that I don't know. I think that they uh, were just so into progress that they put everything behind them and said you know, let's work to the future. And it worked very well for them. They dominated our vehicle industry. Yeah, yes. that's very, very true. And anime. They you know, took funny. over our cartoon industry. One of the last pictures ever taken of Alvin Lee playing his guitar, he's playing at, uh, God, it looks like a Gibson. Yep, it definitely is he a Gibson. He was famous looking for at a, that red, body style. a Red 335, and it had a, like a peace yep. sticker on it. Yep, that's the one he's playing. Yep. There's the Peace sticker. There's the Pox Christie sticker, which is interesting. Mm. There's a Peace Through Marijuana sticker. There's a Zodiac sticker. He's got all kinds of stickers on his guitar. He's very branded for the time. So no, nobody else in the band dropped acid, but Alvin <laughs> might have. <laughs> yeah, I think Alvin might have picked up the slack in that one. But, yeah, I'm, that was really nice to have. I, re I really wish I could have had a better conversation, but, again, because of... Yeah. The world. Wait, when's the last time you watched a news program? I don't care if it was on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, where one of the people they're interviewing uh, on you know Zoom or whatever method they use that it locks up and drops off all the time. Yeah, so this is not just something that that ha happens with us. This happens all the time, and it's going to until they get the, we get past this whole COVID thing. It just that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. 
just the way it is, man. But uh, I just I'm happy the fact that I got to talk to them for a couple of minutes because they were very pleasant people. I think to tell you the truth, you know what I could tell from that interview though. Hmm. The last interview they did, the guy was an asshole. I can just tell. Oh yeah. I can tell by their demeanor. They're like, oh, I hope this is not another one of those pricks. <laughs> God, you can always tell how their previous interview went. They they seem to soften up, though. I thought they did. Oh God, yes, they, they were fun. terrific. They Most did. definitely, but it just kind of shows you that if they've been burned, they're expected to be burned again. And after a couple of minutes, they went, "No, it's not going to happen. That'll be good. It all works out in the end." I love the fact the guy couldn't hear me. Yeah. Like, You'll have to speak up, Tom. I can't hear you. I'm deaf. You know, you know they get the questions, though. So, do you remember the time you played at Woodstock? Mm-hmm. Was it awesome? Oh, yeah. You, know, it's you, remember, like, oh, you, remember, yeah. you remember playing at Woodstock? Remember? <laughs> That's got to get old really yeah. fast. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I should have done. I should honestly got it. But it didn't go south. They saw it. But they, had they gone south and turned on me, I would have went... Okay, like, is it true, because I heard this before, Rick, that your brother Alvin was in the Chipmunks? Is that true? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm sure God. he's heard that one That's before. terrible. <laughs> oh, I don't know if he's heard that one before. Maybe. You might be right about that. We better take a break here, because we got that honey. I mean, we got Michael Bryant coming in for Car Selling Secrets, Right. Oh, yeah, I better. I guess I better open the door and see if His Royal Highness has arrived. I don't think so. His Royal Highness. Oh no, he'd come barging in if he were here. Yeah, that's I can guarantee you right. that. Well, do you want to hang on for a couple more minutes to make sure he gets there hey, before we uh, this break? This is the Tom Bernard Family Podcast. I don't get to make any of those oh, high-level decisions. I think he just got here. See? Okay, so. we'll take our break then, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with Car Selling Secrets. All right. 